Well, good morning. Welcome once again. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad to have you with us today. And I wanted to give a special greeting, uh, although I think he just stepped out. But today, I believe, is Josiah Ross's first service with us. Is that right, Quincy? Yeah? And Jos- I can see Josiah, but none of you can. He's right out there with his mom this morning. But uh, hey, we just want to say congratulations, Quincy and Jasmine, if you can hear me. Uh, congratu- <laughs> congratulations, Josiah, joining his three older brothers, uh, ages seven and under. So we are, are, we're, we're happy for you guys, Quincy, and uh, we're praying for you guys as well. We we love you guys. So, yeah, but we're, we're, we're thrilled to have, you, have him with us today, too. I also just wanted to say, uh, I mentioned last week that some of you probably heard about what's happening in Asbury in, in Kentucky, and probably more of you hearing about Asbury this week. In fact, I've actually seen this making some of the national news now. Uh, the president of, of the, the college there, the university, uh, wrote something a few days ago and clearly saying, you know, he's not sure if this is a revival, but this is clearly a movement of God, clearly a time of spiritual awakening. And uh, I just encourage you to be praying for what God is doing there. But, you know, I know this about God. God longs to work in the hearts and lives of God's people. And really, the only barrier to allowing God to work in the hearts and lives of God's people is us, right? And so I just invite you, in light of what is happening in Kentucky, and in light of this season we are about to begin in just a couple of days as we enter into the season of Lent that that leads us towards Easter, I just encourage you to spend time humbly coming before God and allowing God to search your heart and to work in you. And uh, I'm just praying that God would spiritually awaken the hearts and lives of so many people. Amen? If you have your Bibles with you today, I'd invite you to join me in the book of Romans Uh, We're in Romans chapter 5, and we're just going to read a couple of verses today. You know, this series we've been in, looking at some of the the foundational beliefs that we have, so many times I've wanted to turn to the book of Romans, and uh, so we're there today, and we're just looking at a little bit of some of what Romans has to say for us. We're in chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. I just invite you to stand, if you're able to, this morning, as we read God's word together. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You know, this is part of a a larger section in which Paul talks about this triad of things. We're used to sometimes the triad of of faith, hope, and love, right? You've heard that before. Here he talks about peace, hope, and love as as some of what God does within our lives. And we're going to be talking some today about what happens to us when we come to know Christ, 
you know, there are, there are some people who, if, if you listen, some folks sometimes might say, you know, being a Christian isn't really any different than not being a Christian. It's just where you know where you're going to go someday. All you got to do is pray this prayer, and then someday you can go to heaven. Some people might say something like, you know, this, this Christian faith is, 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 is really just God loving you and God wanting to give you every desire of your heart. Thank you. <laughs> There's a couple of alarm bells going off there, right? You know, if we're not careful as we listen, some people have a tendency to think that all God cares about is me. It's true, God does care about you. But God cares about everyone, right? And the work of God is so much bigger than anything that just happens within our life. I know I've shared this story with some of you before, but I remember back to a time when I was a kid, and it was the first time I realized that the world did not revolve around me. Thankfully, I came to that realization as a child, right? Some folks who haven't come to that realization yet. Uh, no, I was, I was, we went down to visit my grandparents, and, and my dad was going to go to get some groceries or something and asked me if I wanted to go with him. And I was in the middle of watching the Muppets. How many of you used to watch the Muppets? And I said, sure, I'll go to the store. And so we went to the store and we came back and I went to my cousin's room and I turned on the television and the Muppets weren't on anymore. And I thought, what is wrong with this picture? How come the Muppets are not on anymore? Now, my kids probably don't understand this because if you turn off Netflix, when you come back, you turn it back on and it's the same place where you left off, right? But it used to not work that way. And I couldn't understand why they didn't hold the show and wait for me when I was going to the store and I was coming back again. You know, our Christian faith, we're reminded that God does not revolve around us. We are not the center of the universe. God is the center of the universe. And we are drawn to him. We are drawn to God. And we, we are called into this relationship. You know, so today, like I said, we're talking about some of what happens when we come to know Christ, but we actually have to back up for a moment and begin with talking about how is it that we actually come to know Christ. You know, in our tradition, we, we talk about some of the work of God calling us to God through a term we, we call prevenient grace. That literally means the grace that goes before. What we mean by that is that we don't find God. God finds us, right? God is the one who seeks us out, to, who calls us uh, and, and welcomes us to come and enter into fellowship with God. Somewhere along the way, I heard somebody one time refer to the, the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven. And I didn't really understand what they meant by that until this last year. It was just over a year ago that we got our first dog. And... It's quite amazing that we can clean our house and look around and be so thrilled with how clean our house is. And yet our dog has a, find, has a way of finding socks or pieces of plastic, even when our house is spotless, right? Any of you have dogs and know what I'm talking about? Like they just can find things that you don't even know are lost. You know, I, I think that's the sense in, in which that was being used, that the Holy Spirit desperately seeks out all those whom God loves. And who is it whom God loves? Everyone, right? 
So we believe that God is working, calling to all people. That because God is a God of love, God is calling to all people. Now there are some who have tuned their ears so they no longer hear the voice of God. There are some who've created barriers to separate them from God's voice. But there are others who hear the voice of God at work in their lives. Some people, though, before they come to know Christ, they, they don't yet know that that's actually God who is speaking to them and working within them. You know, there's a couple of things that remind me of this. Actually, a couple of stories from the church I pastored before when we were in, in Michigan. There was, there was one lady in our church, and, and she would often talk about one of her adult sons. One of her adult sons who had been raised in the church, but had publicly said that he didn't believe that there was a God. But yet, he was one of the, the kindest, most loving people you would ever meet. I remember this one occasion, she was sharing with me a story of how that last week, he had just loved some strangers he'd never met before. And she was reflecting on that and saying, I just wish that he would come to know Jesus. I said to her, I said, you know, let me, let me tell you something. I said, I, I agree with you and I'm praying with you. But I believe that every good thing comes from God. That every good thing comes from God. And I believe that, that your son's acts of love and compassion to people that he sees, I believe that's evidence of the prevenient grace of God working in his life. Now, he doesn't realize that yet. And my prayer is that he will come to realize that. And come to realize that that is God working in him. And that's the way that God calls all of us to live towards those around him. But I believe that's a sign of God's grace at work in your son's life. Does that make sense? You know, I remember another person in, in, in that church, he had, um, his, his wife had, had started coming to church and their kids had started to come to church and he would occasionally come to church. And one day he said, hey Mark, do you want to go for a run this week? I said, sure, I'd love to go for a run. And I knew he didn't want to just go for a run. So we were running and he, he was telling me, he said, you know, I understand how God can love my kids. I understand how God can love my wife, but I don't know how God can love somebody like me. And he went on to tell me why it was that he felt that way. And we talked about that some. And then, you know, I remember a few weeks later, he, he still would say, I don't, I don't understand how God could love me. He, he wasn't proclaiming to be a Christian. But he, he worked in a job where he had to travel a lot. And so we'd given him a copy of the New Testament on CD. And he had it in his car radio and it just played all the time. So he was listening to scripture for hours a day before he was even a Christian. And I remember one time he told me he was also in the National Guard and, and it was his, his weekend duty. And he had several of his, his uh, fellow National Guardsmen in the car with him and they were driving somewhere. And the radio came on and they said, what, are you, what is this you're listening to? Is this the Bible? <laughs> and he said, yes, it's the Bible and it would probably do some of you good to listen to it as well. <laughs> and he wasn't even a Christian yet and he was already telling people they should be listening to scripture, right? You know, he came to know Christ, but there was clear signs of where God had been working in his life even before he knew God in a personal way. Does this make sense? My guess is we could take time today 
And we could talk about those people or those experiences, those scripture passages, those songs, those moments when, when God was working in our lives, drawing us closer and closer to God as we were coming to see and experience God's love and grace in our own lives. That's prevenient grace. Now there comes a time when we have to make a choice. There comes a time when we have to respond to God's gracious invitation to enter into relationship with God. The term we have for that time when we make that choice is repentance. It's repentance. You know, in in this time when we come to, to a place of repentance, we say, you know, I used to be living my life this way. I used to be doing my own thing, but I've come to realize that I need to live in fellowship and relationship with God. And so we repent, we, we, we literally turn around and we change directions and we begin to walk in fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. And repentance is, is when, when we make this choice to respond to what God is already doing in us and we choose to do this. Now, here's the other place of where we're getting to today. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. I didn't warn you. We have a lot of ground to cover. If you're going on a road trip and you've got a lot of ground to cover, you bring snacks with you. I should have told you to bring snacks this morning. God works in us through prevenient grace. We respond to what God is doing. And when we respond, God works in our lives in incredible ways. God works in our lives in incredible ways. You know, in this passage of Romans, we only read a couple of verses of it here, but in this larger section of Romans, Paul is talking about how God is, is reaching out to us and calling us in. And when by faith we enter into this relationship with him, that, that we experience the, the peace, the hope, and the love that only comes through Jesus Christ. In our tradition, when we talk about what happens when we enter into fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, we actually use three words to talk about this. Kind of all what happens at the same time. Justification, regeneration, and adoption. I want to talk about those in, in the lens of, of Romans chapter 5 today. When we talk about this idea of, of justification, when we respond to God's gracious and loving invitation to enter into relationship, when we turn away from our old way of living and we choose to follow him, we experience justification. This is a, a legal term that really just means not guilty, right? Uh, the example I like to give with this is, you know, let's say uh, pa- Pastor Billy is, is, going, is going skiing. Is it okay if I pick on you today? Yes. You know, I get to pick on him whenever I want to. He can't really tell me no, right? Pastor Billy's going to go skiing because it's Toyota days. And he has to get his kids off to school, so he's late for Toyota days. And who wants to turn down free skiing, right? And so he's hustling up to Mount Spokane, and and all of a sudden he sees flashing lights in his mirror. And the police officer says, did you know you were going a little fast? And he says, well, officer, it's Toyota days. What am I supposed to do? My car's just drawn up the mountain. I can't help it. Well, the officer doesn't buy that and issues him a ticket. And so, you know, Billy says, you know, 
there were so many other people going faster. I'm taking this to court. I don't want to have to pay for this ticket. So he goes to court, and the judge says, so you were driving a little fast. He says, your honor, it was Toyota days. My car, my truck was just answering its call to go up the mountain. And the judge just happens to be a skier who owns a Toyota as well. <laughs> who knew, right? And so he says, you know what? You're, you're not guilty. You don't have to pay this ticket. Just be more careful next time. I'm not sure that's the best place to amen today, Billy, but we can talk later, okay? So in that situation, does that mean that he was not speeding? No. It just means he doesn't have to pay the consequences for his actions, right? He's declared not guilty even though he actually was speeding in that circumstance, Justification is this legal statement in which God declares us not guilty. We have sinned, but God is choosing not to hold our sins against us. We are forgiven for those, and we do not have to pay the punishment for those things. And and that's in in this section of Romans, when he's talking about this idea of peace, this is some of what it is that Paul's pointing towards here as well. You know, typically when we use the word peace, we we use it to mean an absence of conflict. But from a biblical standpoint, when it talks about peace, it's more talking about this sense of, of wholeness, of being restored, of being renewed. And so when it talks about having peace with Christ, it's about being brought into right relationship. There's no longer any barriers or friction there. We are made whole and in right relationship and fellowship with God. We no longer are God's enemies. We no longer need to fear death. We can approach God with confidence because we are at peace with Jesus Christ. And this leads us to something else. Not only does God forgive us for our sins, but when we choose to follow after him, God begins to restore what had been broken in our lives. God begins to, to restore and to make new what it is. This is, the, this is the regeneration that we are talking about here. The life-giving power of God works in our lives to give us new life, to make us into a new creation, so that we can be, be made new all over again. You know, in, in Romans 5, this is some of what Paul is talking about when he talks about us having hope in Christ Jesus. Because biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is this sense that that we have a future. That that we have a future. And the, the belief that we have a future is rooted in something that's already been accomplished in the past. And when we think about Christ and we think about what's been accomplished in the past, the reason we gather every Sunday instead of every Saturday is because Sunday is the day of the resurrection, right? Not only did Jesus Christ die, but God raised Jesus from the dead. And scripture tells us that, that the resurrection of Christ is the first fruits of what is to come for all of those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the first fruits are, are a sign that the harvest is coming, the crop is coming, right? The first fruits of the resurrection tells us that there is a time coming when all of those who are in Christ Jesus will share in the resurrection to come. Thanks be to God for that. And so we have hope. 
We have hope in the future that we can be made new because of what God does in us. And I want to just say one more thing about this before we move on. You know, sometimes I hear people who say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I, I, I still sin all the time. My life is still a mess, but at least I know where I'm going someday. You know, when we talk about regeneration, we believe that the power of God's grace is more powerful than the power of sin. We believe that not only can God forgive us of our sins, but God can restore and God can renew. And by God at work within us, by allowing God's power to fill our lives and work in us, that we can be set free from the power of sin. We talked about some of that a couple weeks ago, but just want to say as we, we talk about not only are we justified, we're regenerated, it's, it's because of this work of God that God does within our lives. And this leads to one other thing here. Peace, hope, love. Peace, hope, love, justification, regeneration, and adoption. See, we're, we're brought into this right relationship with God through, through Jesus Christ, the, the kind of relationship that is, is no longer defined by some of the things it used to be. It's because we're brought into right relationship with God, we no longer have to live in fear. We don't have to be afraid that God's looking to catch us doing something. We no longer have to live in guilt we no longer have to think, well, since God did this for me, I really ought to do my part. We no longer have to live with this sense of reciprocity that defines a lot of relationships in which we live in the world. Do you know what I mean by reciprocity? That says, if you scratch, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? Those aren't the kinds of things that characterize our relationship with God. Because we're, we're brought into this relationship of peace and hope, our relationship with God is defined by love. We live in a loving relationship with God. One of the ways that scripture talks about what this looks like is through the lens of adoption. We are adopted into the family of God. We weren't born into this family, but we're adopted into this family. You know, whenever adoption occurs, it's a choice that child is chosen. That child is chosen to be a part of that family. You know, when we think about that from a spiritual standpoint, do you know what that means? It means that God chose you. That God chose you to be a part of the family of God. That God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one whose love is perfect and pure, the one without sin chose you to be a part of the family of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, I know sometimes it, it can be hard for us to think that God would choose somebody like us. I want to I do something this morning. I want you to repeat after me in just a moment. This is what we're going to say. God chose me. God chose me. Are you ready to join me in that? God chose me. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. God has chosen us and welcomed us into the family of God. You know, as I think of, I think of that guy from my church back in Michigan, he said, I, I don't know how God would ever love somebody like me. 
Some of you have probably felt that way. Some of you might even feel that way today. I want you to know that God chooses you, that God loves you, that God has loved each one of us. And that message is too good to be kept to ourselves, right? It's too good to be kept to ourselves. When we know something good, when we experience something good, we usually want others to experience that as well. Do you you know what I mean by that? Yes, no? You need an example? I've got one. Jennifer and I hadn't been married too long, and I think we were like at Macy's or something like that, and we were looking at something for our kitchen. I don't know what we were looking for. Something for our kitchen. And there was this other couple who was in the same area of the store as we were, and they were looking at at cheese slicers. You know the ones with the little rolly deals and that little kind of thin piece of metal that you put on the cheese and you just kind of scrape it back there? They were looking at cheese slicers, and they were comparing these, and Jennifer saw them looking, and she said, "Uh, excuse me, get that one. It's really good. Like, we have that, and it works amazing. It's the best cheese slicer I've ever had before. It's incredible. They said, oh, wow, thank you very much. And they picked it up, and they went out, and they went on to go buy this cheese slicer, right? If if you've experienced something good, you want other people to know. If you've experienced the love of a God who sought you out, who forgave your sins, who gave you new life and who adopted you into the family of God. Isn't that something worth sharing? I want to go back for just a moment where we started today. We started by talking about prevenient grace, the grace of God that goes before. A couple weeks ago, I was at a conference and one of our morning devotional speakers did an incredible job talking about some of this. Talking about that that sense in which we are called to share our faith with those around us. But what does that look like? Sometimes when we think about sharing our faith, when we think about this idea of evangelism, I don't know about you, but I used to think that evangelism is what you did when you sat down on an airplane. You know, you had however many miles to try to convert the person sitting next to you in the seat. Because those were always the stories I would hear when I would go to big events. Anybody else ever think that that's what evangelism was? And that terrified me. I don't like to talk to people next to me on the plane. Like I get on a plane with a book to, work, a book to read, something to be written. I got, I got things to do if I'm sitting on my airplane seat here, right? So this speaker was talking to some about what does it look like for us to share our faith? And he actually reflected on the story in the book of Acts of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Some of you know this story where God led Philip to a particular place and he heard this, this man who was reading scripture out loud. And Philip knew that God had put him there and then here all of a sudden was this man reading scripture out loud. So you know what Philip said? He said, hey, do you know what that's talking about? The man said, well, could you help me understand this? And Philip had an opportunity to talk to him about this. You know, our speaker was was talking some about that. You know, was we, all of us, as followers of Christ, are called to share our faith with those around us, right? If we believe that the grace of God is working in the lives of people, we can look for those opportunities, those places where God's grace is clearly working. So he encouraged us, which was mostly a group of pastors, to think about those times when someone who doesn't go to church, 
might ask you questions about church or might be talking about church. Or somebody who you don't think is a Christian starts talking about the Bible, right? Do you, do you see where I'm going here? As somebody talks about things like church or scripture or beliefs, those are some indications that God's prevenient grace is doing something there in that person's life. And that's a wonderful opportunity for us to have a conversation. Now, here's the thing. It's not our job to convince somebody to choose to follow Jesus Christ. It's just our job to share with what Christ is doing. And if we've experienced that goodness of God, where God called us, and God saved us, and God gave us new life, and God's welcomed us into the family of God, don't we want others to know that too? You know, one of the things we, we do on, on a regular basis within the life of the church is we, we gather together around the table to share in the communion meal. And there's a couple of things we do as we share in this time together. We believe that communion is a sacrament. What we mean by that is a means of grace, that God can work through our faithful obedience, through ordinary bread, an ordinary juice, that by God's grace and power at work within that, this act of faithful obedience can be a means of grace in us. It might be difficult for us to explain fully how that works, but in God's divine mystery, God can use this to work in our lives. We believe that about sacraments, right? There's another thing, though, that we think about as we gather around the table. One of the things we, we talk about every time we gather around the table is when Jesus was sharing in this meal with his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. The word remember in scripture is kind of full of theological significance. In Genesis, God remembered Noah and caused the waters to begin to dry up. In Exodus, God heard the cries of his people in Egypt and remembered his covenant and God called Moses. Do you see what's happening here? In scripture, remembrance always leads to action. As we remember what it is that God has done for us, we are also called into action. Which is one of the reasons too, as we pray, as we gather for communion, we pray that that by God's grace and power at work, that these ordinary elements would be a means of God's grace for us. And we also pray that by God's grace and power at work, our ordinary lives would be a means of grace for the world. That others might also know the good news of the God who finds us, who calls us, who forgives us, who renews us, and who adopts us into the family of God. Amen? Our worship team is going to come and, and going to lead us in a time of worship as those who are servant are going to come and, uh, and distribute the elements to us today. As you're being served, I just invite you to uh, take a cup and take a piece of bread and hold on to that. And once everybody's had an opportunity to be served, we'll, we'll receive of these elements together.
I just want you to know, you don't have to be a, a member of our church to share with us in this communion meal today. You simply just have to have a desire to know and follow after Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who loves us dearly. We're going to sing a song called Abide. It's all about living in God's house. As Pastor Mark said, we're adopted. We get to live in God's house. When we live in God's house, we eat God's food. We're sharing today.
Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Would you just say this simple statement of faith with me today? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Let's say that together. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Lord, as we are gathered together here today, we worship you. We acknowledge that you are the only one or thing worthy of worship. Lord, we pray that you would help us to worship and live lives of faithful obedience with all of who we are, wherever we go, whatever we do. Lord, we know that the way this is made possible is through your love and grace and power that work not only through what Christ has done, but through your Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. So Lord, as we prepare now to receive these elements, Lord, we pray that by your grace, you would take these ordinary elements and that they would be a means of your grace to us. And that in turn, God, as we prepare to leave from this place, you would take our ordinary lives and by your grace and power, you would use our lives to be a means of grace to those in this world who do not yet know you and love you and follow you. And so God, today we come before you to humbly receive your grace and to remember what it is that you've done for us and what you've called us to do. In your name we pray, amen. On the night that Jesus would be betrayed, he gathered together with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. It's a wonderful reminder and act of worship of God's faithful, life-giving, saving power. During the course of that meal, it came time to eat of the bread. And so Jesus broke the bread saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together today. Later in the meal, it was the time to pass the cup. And when it came time to pass the cup, Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood which is shed for you. And whenever you eat of the bread or drink of the cup, do so in remembrance of me and always be thankful. Let's drink together. Lord, again today, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you that you sought us out, that you found us, that you've set us free, given us new life, and welcomed us in to your family. And God, as we prepare to go from here today, we pray that we would go with you, 
and that by your grace and power at work within us, that there would be a spiritual awakening in the hearts and lives of those we come in contact with. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Would you join me for our benediction today? As we go, we acknowledge that we can't do that. We can't share God's love and grace and we cannot live the kinds of lives that would point people towards God through our own strength and power. We need God's grace and we also need one another. As we go, may you go in the grace and peace that comes through our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.